0: Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790 out of Houston as well as the Locked On SEC podcast. And uh, Gordy, once again, it's always uh, good to talk with you. How are you doing this afternoon? Uh,
1: probably doing better than Razorback fans, man. It's uh, what a rough, rough weekend it was. Uh, I-, I will say this, though, John, in, in covering the SEC and You know, talking with fans all over the place. Who in the SEC is happy right now? I mean, everybody's kind of even if your team won, you feel a little weird right now. I mean, Florida celebrating the win over Tennessee, but you know, you still had the loss to Utah. LSU dominates against Mississippi State, but still lost to Florida State. So, you know, it's like even the teams that won, Georgia, they're all walking around today going, "Yeah, we're undefeated, but we don't look great." So, uh, again, maybe if you're an Arkansas fan, you can take a little solace in that.
0: So I guess who is the happiest in college football right now? Like maybe Michigan, Ohio State? Those teams really haven't had any reason to be upset. I know Colorado fans are definitely happy with what's been going on up there. But, yeah, I'm with you. It seems like all the top-tier teams that are normally up there riding high, none of them are too excited or ecstatic about what could happen the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what's going to make for a fun SEC season. Like what people don't understand is when you have two or three SEC teams run through Undefeated and everyone else is taking L's. That's not fun. Like, what's more fun is everybody beating up everybody else. And you know the word parody gets thrown around a lot, but like that's what makes it fun. When you know Arkansas can lose to BYU, but the next week possibly pull off an upset against LSU. You know it's like you know Alabama hasn't looked great, but if they go out there and dominate Ole Miss, well then you know they put Ole Miss in their place this week. It's just. It feels like it's going to be one of those years where, you know, there's not going to be an unscathed team at the end of the year. That You know, maybe Georgia comes out with one loss and wins the SEC and gets to the playoff, but it just feels like it's going to be one of those years where even the better teams in the SEC are going to have two, three losses.
0: Where's the most concern for SEC teams? Would you say it's Bama and their quarterback situation?
1: Yeah, but, I mean, like, let, let's be real. Outside of Tuscaloosa, who the hell's rooting for Bama? Like, the 13 other fan bases, we're sick of the Nick Saban talk. We're we're, we're ready to see them be humanized and come back down to earth and lose three, four, you know, games in a season. So, uh, yeah, like, I mean, Bama's got huge quarterback issues. I'm, I'm actually, you know, I'm happy for them that they're going with Jalen Milroe. because I said that on my show uh, last night, this morning, that, you know, the best move was, was to – Go back to Milrow. He gives you your best chance now. Maybe they looked at the schedule and said, "Look, we're we have so much of a better roster than USF. Maybe that's the game we can go in. We can split duty, give Buckner a half, give Ty Simpson a half, and just see what they do. And if neither guy impresses, we'll just go back to Jalen Miller for all this. That's fine. But I just feel like you should have never benched Milrow to begin with. You should have used this USF game to get him more confidence, work out the kinks." You know, the turnovers he had against Texas, I think those are coachable. You know, he coached that out of him. But he doesn't get it coached out of him sitting on the bench for a week. So, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. I thought, you know, for the first time in the Nick Saban era, it feels like they really don't know where they're going. This team does, doesn't have a direction on uh, how they're going to score points and how they're going to attack teams. So, it, it's it's really fascinating. I know maybe the defense is feeling a little bit more confident because they dominated USF as, as greatly as they did. But it was USF. I mean, you know, Dallas Turner, okay, great. You got some sacks against South Florida. Where were you in the Texas game? I mean, you were nowhere to be found. So, um, yeah, it's just going to be – it'll be fascinating to watch, and I think for a lot of the rest of the SEC, we're going to enjoy watching Alabama struggle and suffer because they've been fat and happy and had so much success for years. It's kind of fun to watch them struggle.
0: Well, you you mentioned LSU, and they lost to Florida State, uh, as we all know, a couple weeks ago. Looked nasty. People were mad down there in Baton Rouge. But they go on the road. I know Mississippi State's not the, the best team in the SEC, but they absolutely destroyed them. I mean, Daniels looked awesome. The the defense looked great. So are people now, at least LSU, back on board saying, hey, now now it's going to get going. Now they can t- still win the SEC and be the favorite in the SEC West. Are they now happy after that win, or they still need more?
1: What, what people forget about that Florida State game is LSU dominated that first half of the game and yet had two red zone possessions where they came away with zero points. They found themselves still up by a field goal at the half. But LSU should have been up at least 10 points on Florida State. They outplayed them. They didn't. They made mistakes. They turned the ball over. It was a one-score game going into the fourth quarter, and then Florida State pulled away. But what nobody remembers is that LSU still put up 450 yards of offense on Florida State. Uh, they put up a million yards on grambling last week. And, again, you know, it's grambling. But they took that same mentality, that same offensive approach to Mississippi State and absolutely dominated Starkville. I mean, they, they, the DBs for Mississippi State had no answer for Jaden Daniels or Malik Neighbors or any other offensive weapon. So, I mean, through three weeks, there's a reason why LSU is the best offense in the SEC. Um, it, here's the crazy part, guys. The total number of yards that, that, that LSU has put up on the season, they're number one in the SEC. Vanderbilt is number two. Vanderbilt has played a whole extra game than LSU. They've played four games. LSU's only played three. Yet LSU has more yardage than Vanderbilt. That's that's just it's fascinating. That's that entire extra four quarters to get more yards than LSU. Uh, if you just go look at yards per game, Ole Miss is not far behind LSU. But I look at I look at competition. LSU played Florida State and and at Mississippi State. Ole Miss their two toughest games have been at Tulane and Georgia Tech. Um, not saying that it's drastically better, but, you know, LSU at least has played a tougher road. So that's why I look at that offense and say, if they can keep doing that every week against opposing defenses, LSU's going to have a real good chance to run the table, especially if Bama doesn't figure out the quarterback thing, especially if Travis Williams and, and the Arkansas defense doesn't come ready to play this week. Uh, it, it will be a fascinating story to watch because that was the whole hype of this offseason was Jaden Daniels as a Heisman Trophy contender. You know, didn't perform that way in the second half against Florida State, but seems to have figured some things out from there. And if they keep this high-flying offense going, man, it's it's, uh, it's hard seeing a team beat off LSU down the stretch.
0: Which team had a more surprising win to you, Mizzou versus Kansas State or Florida versus Tennessee?
1: If, if you guys checked out Locked on SEC on Friday, I, I had been calling all week for the upset. Um, you know, I, early in the week, I, kept, I was saying, ah, I don't know, I really want to pick it. By Thursday and Friday, I was fully on board for Florida saying they're going to pull off this upset. So I uh, was not surprised. I, you know, I kept saying the starting center, you know, Florida, the talk was they were getting a starting center back Kingsley, Walkin, and Trevor 18 said last week, he is the field general of our team. And I just kept saying, man, if they get him back in there, they are going to run the football much more effectively. And we saw that they absolutely did against Tennessee. They ran the ball. Well, Trevor 18 was awesome. And I think that's more who Florida is, you know, had they had, and walking up at Utah, I don't know if they win that game, but I think they put up a much better fight. Like, again, we overreacted just one game, but Florida got in the red zone a couple times, and, and again, shot themselves in the foot, didn't come away with points. So, um, yeah, much more effective, efficient offense. And Graham Mertz, I, I said on Friday, if he doesn't turn the ball over, just protect the, the football, I think he'll be okay. and that's, that's what we saw, and it was a big win for Florida. Huge feather in the cap for Billy Napier. But, uh, but, again, that one didn't surprise me. The Mizzou one surprised me. I mean, I, I just thought Kansas State was much bigger, more physical. What we've, seen, what we've seen out of Brady Cook, the Mizzou quarterback, through the first two weeks. I mean, guys, they struggled to beat Middle Tennessee State in week two. So, for Brady Cook to go out there and do that against a really good Big 12 Kansas State defense, you know, this is the same team that ran through the Big 12 uh, for much of last year. Um, I thought that was really impressive. Now, look, Eli Drake, with the decisions they made in the, in the last couple minutes? Yeah, you know, they get a delay of game that they still have to kick a 61-yarder. It didn't have to be that long, but luckily, luckily, you got Harrison Nevis who can make that that kick. So, a uh, big, big win for Eli Drinkwitz and a big, big win for Billy Napier.
0: Yeah, and speaking about to the Florida game, looking at a Tennessee team, I saw Tennessee fans. Of course, they're always mad, but they they were really upset with the the performance over there. And last year, they know that they were so close to to possibly. Uh, taking that next step forward, but having injury. So what do you make of them right now in, in the rest of the way? Because, again, losing to Florida on the road is is nothing really to, to be ashamed of, even though they haven't done it since 2003. But uh, if they're losing to Florida on the road, they still got South Carolina, still got A&M, they still got Bama, they still got Georgia, uh, and they even got to go on the road to Missouri. So it could be a t- pretty tough go for the volunteers if they don't uh, shore up some of their issues.
1: Yeah, and that was the vibe I got, guys. Look, I, I was the biggest Hendon Hooker fan in the world. I'd interviewed him a, a handful of times. And uh, just like the most humble dude, but a hard worker, diligent, became a great quarterback in that system. Josh Heupel certainly helped. But there's a reason why Hendon Hooker got drafted in, in the NFL where he did. And some people thought maybe, you know, if he doesn't care his ACL, that, that he would have went much higher. And probably should have at least had an invite to the Heisman ceremony last year. Uh, probably wouldn't have won it, but but definitely deserved that. What, my few interactions with Joe Milton, and I saw this at the Manning Passing Academy in the summer, he's got his gold chain on, he's got his sunglasses on inside. I mean, nothing against that, but it was very showy. It was very, you know, me. And my vibe was like, where's the where's the diligent worker? Where's the guy who's, hey, I, I'm coming in with my head down, my, my uh, you know, whatever, lunch pail, well, let's put in the work. Uh, and not saying he hasn't, but, like, I just got did the, the vibe, like, I've arrived. And I'm going, well, what have you done other than you beat Clemson in the Orange Bowl? You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's really all he did. And beat Vanderbilt once, you know, when Hendon Hooker got hurt. So, uh, it was just this vibe I was getting, like, what if Hendon Hooker isn't a repeat? Or I'm sorry, what if Joe Milton is not a repeat of Hendon Hooker? And uh, so far, it's not. I mean, we saw some bad throws for him, from him really through the first two weeks against Austin Peay. That offense was god awful. He was overthrowing guys or throwing it at their ankles. And we saw a little bit more of the same this past week against Florida. It was just not a consistent performance. Now, if you look at the box score, you're going to go, oh, well, Milton looked good. I mean, he threw for a bunch of yards and a bunch of touchdowns. But if you watch the game, they just never looked like they got in sync. And I think it's imperative on Josh Heifel. They got to hit the reset button, get back in there as an offense. Uh, they've not had Cooper Mays in there. They're starting center through the first three weeks, so that has hurt them, certainly. Um, but that, that up-tempo offense of running three plays a minute, that Hendon hooker perfected, it was it has not worked very well under Joe Milton. So, yeah, look, he, he could turn it around, and he could be a stud the rest of the year. He's got the arm talent. He's got all the skills. But uh, if they don't, Tennessee's going to lose a couple more games, and we're going to look back and say, man, did Josh Heupel and Tennessee take a huge step backward this year? would not surprise me.
0: Chris, what was your assessment of Arkansas versus BYU, and then moving forward with LSU up next?
1: Yeah, just just the penalties, man. I mean, shooting yourself in the foot, the, the turnovers, the penalties—just um, careless. I thought, you know, this was a game a year ago that I, I I thought was a dangerous spot for Arkansas, but man, they went out there and played their butts off out of BYU and won going away. And I, I was just so impressed with their effort in that game. This was like the opposite. This was like they went in this game, oh, expecting to win. Oh yeah, we're gonna win this game, no big deal. I, I just didn't see that that urgency from the from the guys. Hey, this, this game's on the line. It's a one score game. Let's go. I just saw so many careless shoot ourselves in the foot mistakes, and I, I'm just war. I'm worried for Sam Pittman because by year four, this is supposed to be a win that that is gimme. Like if he's got the program where it's supposed to be, this is supposed to be one you win easily. And let's go. You know, when you, and I know Rocket Sanders has been out, but, you know, A.J. Green, those guys have done fine. I just have not seen that. I thought we were going to see a big step forward from K.J. With the you call plays, with this offensive line. Um, that, that's the one thing I thought. I talked to John about this yesterday. Like, I just never thought we would be at a point in, in this tenure under Sam Pittman as a head coach. And we've been having offensive line questions and concerns. Like if that's the one thing you would think, oh, there's no concerns there. Stud offensive line, we'll be fine. But it just does feel like, man, what are we doing with such an experienced quarterback in KJ and all the other pieces? This is a game you you should not lose. And so, you know, we quickly saw that spread. I think about a week ago, this game was LSU by about eight or nine, and then quickly ballooned up to eighteen after what LSU and Arkansas did on Saturday. I still think that line is way too high. Uh, I think Arkansas does have a chance to kind of reboot and and, and reset and get back to doing what they do well. But, uh, yeah, I was just, I was really shocked by by the effort down the stretch and just just carelessness because they they should not, they did not deserve to lose that game with what was the eighth largest DWR attendance in, in team history. I just felt the fans deserve better on Saturday.
0: So, so, you know, you alluded to it a little bit. Is it salvageable? Like, can they get it fixed to the penalties? And I think there's also something that, you know, any team can fix with the right mentality. But the offensive line issues, maybe the the step that KJ needs to take, can it still be fixed, especially with this tough stretch they have coming up in front of them?
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it can be fixed. I mean, I think this is, on paper, this is some of the best weapons he's had as far as, you know, wide receivers and, and, and tight ends. go. You know, just, like, I, I like, I like what they have on paper, but I've just seen, you know, KJ has just not looked like the same quarterback through the first couple of weeks to me. And, again, I don't know how much he's on play calling. I don't know how much he's on pass protection, run blocking, all that. It just it just doesn't seem like, you know, what, what we've seen in the past from KJ where he's had full control of the offense, run it when he has to, go get you that first down, go convert that fourth down. We just haven't seen that much yet. So, again, yeah, this is certainly a spot. They're going in the Death Valley. Um, but but LSU, again, they're they're not a perfect product either. They've got big concerns with their corners. So if Tesla and those guys are, are getting loose for some deep balls. Yeah, Arkansas can make some big plays and absolutely be in this game. It, it's definitely salvageable. Sou- sou- I'm not pulling the plug on Arkansas.
0: Chris, a lot of good NFL games yesterday. What were some of the games that caught your attention?
1: Uh, I think the Cowboys are the real deal. I know they were playing the Jets, and, and obviously their quarterback situation isn't great, but – their defense looks good. Run game looks good. that looks good. Uh, I think the Cowboys are a real problem, and it's going to be fascinating to see them and the Eagles battle it out as the year goes along. Um, 49ers, I think, are good. I mean, it's kind of what we thought on a lot of these teams, but how about Denver? I mean, they get the Hail Mary, and then they can't get the two-point conversion, and now Sean Payton, all that money they gave him, all the team control, roster control, everything, and he's 0-2, and it looks like Russell Wilson still looks like crappy Russell Wilson we saw a bunch of last year. So that one is, is a bit perplexing. Um, you know, just, it's kind of been mostly what we've expected. I mean, the good teams are the good teams. The bad teams aren't very good. And, uh, you know, Kansas City got a nice road win at Jacksonville. I thought they gutted that one out. And, uh, yeah, you know, Ravens bounce bad. The Bengals are, are – that's the biggest question mark to me. What happened to Joe Burrow? I mean, I know he's not 100% with the offseason injury, but – My God, I mean, so many good backup quarterbacks are out there available. I just watched Gardner Minshew towards the the Texans yesterday after coming in for Anthony Richardson. Like, that guy wasn't available. You couldn't have gotten somebody like that to back up Burrow and at least fill in until he's fully healthy. So uh, that's an interesting one to watch. And then uh, my eyes are on the Saints tonight. I'm curious to see. they, They played a sloppy game last week but still gutted out a win with their defense against Tennessee. Now they go on the road to play rookie Bryce Young in Carolina. Uh, that defense gets after it. Derek Carr settles in. The offense is fun. I think the elish Or rather, I think the Saints are uh, certainly a team that can that can win the NFC South. But Atlanta is an impressive two and through two weeks. So, um, yeah, it's, it's early, but kind of fun, you know, watching some of these storylines.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you as for your last question, man, before let you get out of here, which team that's two and is the most surprising? Because people keep talking about. Uh, the Commanders being two and zero, of course, the Buccaneers with Baker Mayfield and the Falcons both being two and zero. So, who's the most surprising two and zero team right now to you?
1: Yeah, they they all fit in that category. I mean, Atlanta's not shocking. I, I I'm not the biggest Desmond Ritter fan, but I have a buddy who covers the team who said, man, they 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 addressed so many needs in the offseason with free agents and through the draft. EJon Robinson looks like an up and coming superstar. So. Yeah, the South, Falcons aren't shocking. I, I am shocked that Baker Mayfield is, is performing like he is in Tampa. I mean, that 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 whole thing, when they signed him, the understanding was, oh, Tampa's tanking because they want to get Caleb Williams. Like, that's what we all thought. And now he's winning football games, and it's if that was their plan, well, it's bombing horrendously. I mean, we even saw Arizona yesterday put Josh Dobbs out there and get out to a big lead and then we saw them conveniently blow it and, and, and lose to the Giants. So you know it was like, okay, well the tankathon is on. But in Tampa, I, we thought they were tanking. Doesn't look like they're, that they're tanking. So uh, that that one that one is fascinating to me to watch Baker Mayfield. And then you know you bring in Eric enemy to work with Sam Howell. It looks like Eric enemy is a pretty good play caller, and it's working out so far for Washington. So good for them.
0: Yeah, who would have guessed that? It's almost like people have been saying that for a long time now. But opportunities come forth and. You can make it work. So, Gordy, as always, dude, appreciate it. Have a great week, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you later down the road. All right, dude?
1: All right, John. I'll be there in Death Valley this weekend. We'll see if the Hawks have a shot.